If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out GuardianVets.com now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas, and I'm excited that you're here. And with that, we're going to jump into this week's podcast here in just a second. We're going to hit up our sponsors that help make the show possible. There's lots of companies that I believe in that I think help veterans across the board, whether it's find a job, hire talent, become more efficient in their practice, all those things, right? So these sponsors mean a ton to me. So I know a lot of people will fast forward or skip through them. But if and when you're looking for help and some of the solutions they offer, I would highly, highly encourage you to check them out. And so with that, no further ado, jump into the ads and we'll get right into the show. So thank you for listening and uh, enjoy. We all know as a practice owner, one of the last things you want to think about is tax planning and strategizing for your practice. In addition, the long list of tasks on your radar, it's really hard to do everything. You have to find a trustworthy team of experts that understands the unique and specific needs within veterinary medicine. My suggestion would be my friends at Granite Peak Associates. Granite Peak is an advanced tax planning and veterinary practice advisory firm who has spent many years working within vet med. Their team works year-round to make sure you're able to maximize your profitability while also minimizing your liabilities. Whether you're in the process of purchasing a practice, looking to grow your practice, or transitioning towards the sale of your practice, they are the experts to help guide you through. What makes them different than other firms is their devotion to proactive tax planning. By thinking into the future and creating long-lasting relationships with their clients, Granite Peak can help minimize the amount of taxes paid over the course of many years to come. Head over to their website, granitepeakcpa.com, to receive a personalized comparison of your practice financials against over 140 other hospitals that they've worked with. You'll be able to see how your practice ranks, where you stack up, and where the opportunities are to get better. From there, you can schedule a one-on-one -on -one call with one of the members of their team to review and analyze your results. The opportunity speaks for itself. You need someone on your side. Granite Peak Associates is that team. Take advantage of their innovative expertise within the veterinary industry. If you're struggling to attract new staff or your team is experiencing burnout, pick up your phone and call Guardian Vets. Through virtual team solutions like after-hour triage, daytime virtual receptionists, callbacks, and telemedicine, Guardian Vets can help you have happy staff, happy clients, and a thriving business. Go to www.guardianvets.com and check Veterinary Success Podcast in the Where Did You Hear About Us section to get a free consultation and receive 50% off your first month of service. Don't wait. Check out guardianvets.com now. Finding a job or finding a veterinarian shouldn't be a waste of time. Enter an offer first. Paul Diaz and team have created something really special with Offer First. Some of my favorite reasons are as follows. Candidates and employers will both have values aligned on the first step, not the last. The sign-up process, quick and simple, no resume required. So if you're looking for a job, but you aren't really sure, it's as easy as scrolling on Zillow for a home. And finally, if you have a great match. It's based on your each unique requirements, not random keywords. If you want to learn more, listen to episode 179 with Paul Diaz. We cover all of that.
the other exclusive great thing that you're going to get from this ad read and from Paul is I convinced him to give an exclusive discount to listeners of this podcast. So for owners, you're getting a 20% discount on both the placement of any candidate, but also access to the platform. Use VSP if you go to offer first or the easiest way is a link in the show notes. So check it out. Associates, those looking for a job, same thing. Use the link in the show notes. Use VSP if you go directly to offer first. But I will donate and Paul will donate to a veterinary nonprofit of your choosing. So each person that signs up gets a vote. Your votes actually count, which is incredible. And so I'll be reaching out. I will handle that. But there's going to be a donation made for any associate or any job seeker that adds on the platform. We want to make sure that not only does the platform help to make sure that you find a better fit, better culture, better role, but it's also doing good in veterinary medicine. Okay, so link in the show notes is going to take you to offer first. It's going to automatically apply that, but also use code VSP if you go to offer first directly. And offer first is changing the game of veterinary recruiting. I want each and every one of you to benefit from it. So check them out today. Find out for yourself why my friends at Shepherd Veterinary Software are the fastest growing practice management software. They're doing something right. Founded by Dr. Cindy Barnes, Shepherd is an intuitive, easy to learn, streamlines practice management. Built for vets, by vets, it works for you and your team so you have more time to spend on what's most important, your patients. Shepherd automatically updates the medical records, adds services to the invoice, generates discharge instructions, and so much more. Bring home more stories and less stress. Check them out at shepherd.vet. Again, that's shepherd.vet. All right. I am uh, extremely excited for today's show. And this is a first, a first podcast for two people, which is great. And it's also the first time in the history of this show, which has been around since 2019, that we have a father-daughter combination joining the podcast. So I'm joined by Dr. Jeff Stepanek and then Liz Montgomery. You might have seen Liz's posts across LinkedIn, social media that was by my dad's vet clinic. It caught my eye. And so Dr. Jeff and Liz are here to kind of chat through the story. And there's a brief introduction. There's lots to get into, but I ultimately want to say welcome. Thanks for being here, Dr. Jeff and Liz. Thank you for having us. We're honored to Thank be you. here. Yeah. I want to start with kind of getting a picture and a, a kind of a background of the clinic itself and kind of the story. And Liz, you and I connected, we chatted, we had a really wonderful conversation and it was all about how things kind of came to be. But I want to let you and Dr. Jeff feel free to chime in of just the clinic itself, kind of the story of how getting the website launched and this whole journey has been. And we'll kind of unpack it from there. And it's a 30 plus years of uh, story. So we'll kind of unpack it as we go. But anywhere that you want to start, take it away. And yeah, I really want to just kind of highlight what you have going on today. I will start with an anniversary because my first day at the Ark Animal Hospital was exactly 39 years ago. That's wow. when I purchased it from uh, Dr. Klein, who was kind of ready to retire. He enjoyed his recreation. He was a ranked bridge player. So he played a lot of bridge and veterinary medicine was, uh, it was available. The gentleman I worked for was absolutely great. The Dr. John Flynn at the Westgate Animal Hospital was a great mentor. But it got to the point where he wasn't quite ready to give up half, and I kind of needed half to progress. So we got along really well. The clinic shared things. I took the uh, large animal portion of the practice at the time. We were doing mixed animal, and I did mixed animal for eight to ten years. It's somewhere in there, trying to recall, and been strictly small animal practice since then. So 
and uh, watching our clientele grow, have had great staffs over the year, and that's what really makes a practice. It's the staff and everybody on the same page, putting it together, keeping the client education going. I'm happy to answer any questions in that. If I'm ever gone for lunch and come back, there's usually a stack of cards that call people that answer questions. Sometimes their questions just need a little tweaking and fine-tuning. So this is an, an anniversary. We'll have lunch tomorrow on, on our anniversary. So That's great. And this will come out fairly quickly after we record. So 39 years is it's incredible. How long do you say it was 8 to 10 years that you practiced prior to acquiring? Or what was the length of time before you wanted to buy? I graduated in 1979. And I stayed around at the University of Minnesota to finish up my master's degree in dairy nutrition. I met some wonderful people in the Department of Animal Science. And I felt I started a master's degree kind of before I got into veterinary school and finished it up. It took me about two or three weeks after I had a plan B master's. And I felt I owed it to everybody that invested time and money into me to finish my master's degree. And then I kind of went to work with Dr. Flynn. Uh, that was in 1975. And then I bought the clinic in 1979, excuse me. And then I bought the clinic in 1985. So, okay. Started six it, years. So. Okay. I'm yeah. just curious because that's a conversation that comes up a lot of, you know, the length of time that someone will be an associate. And I've talked to a handful of guests where you know, it's been a couple of years. And for others, it's, hey, they're kind of at that 10 to 12 year mark. And I just, connected with a veterinarian that hasn't been on the show yet, but hopefully I'll get them on the show at some point where it's a husband-wife team. It was 17 years before they opened their own thing and really having great success, but it's always interesting to see how long that took. And so 39 years, have you always practiced? Have you had a partner? Have you had associates? Has it been you? What does that look like over time? I've had usually relief veterinarians over the course of time. So over the years, I've had some young kids. I think I've written at least 15 letters of recommendation that people actually got into vet school. So and they're distributed really kind of across the country. So it's been rewarding. I had several veterinarians come up and do externships with me. So from the University of Wisconsin, and usually externships are usually just like two-week periods in that. But being a mentor is an important role. So not only from a practice standpoint, but from a personal quality of life standpoint too. So the people you meet along the way are really the life-changing influence in your life. So whether they're college professors, high school counselors, or, or even clients that are very influential in your dream of practicing veterinary medicine. But have you always practiced solo? Yes, I pretty much have practiced solo. I, there's never been usually two veterinarians there at the same time, if unless I called in to do surgery while I have a relief veterinarian there doing exams. So why have you always been solo? Well, almost every day goes by, I have to turn clients down because I wanted to keep it small and intimate. I didn't really want to be a three or four man practice. So I was there for my clients. I wanted to follow up. Sometimes that we've had people complain when they're going to other clinics and that they don't know who they're going to see. They want to see one veterinarian and they're not might able to do that. So I was there kind of seven days a week, 24 hours a day, especially when you're doing large animal and small animal at the same time. So it becomes a challenge. And plus to keep up the energy and everything, they think you're going to go home at five o'clock and still make two or three farm calls at that. So when a calf is being born, you got to be there for your clients. Mm -hmm. So very rewarding clients. I can't say enough nice things about them. They're the ones that put my kids through school. Yep. And then 
on that, I think that's one of the things is veterinary medicine has changed your approach and what you've done historically. Again, I hear this and I don't know because everyone's wired differently where I think there still is that desire, but at times it's, I want kind of normal working hours. I want it not to be as extended into this like on call all the time. And I know on kind of the way that you're structured now, like you're not doing emergency, right? So you kind of have those set hours. The other thing I should add is, can you please talk about the area that you're at? I didn't put that in the the intro, but you're in Wisconsin. And I think that's important. And I know, Liz, you've done a lot of work there as well on kind of the area, because I think that's important when you look at where do you want to put down roots? Where do you want to own a business? That's going to be where you raise your kids, as you talked about, Dr. Jeff, going through and getting to know the people as well. Well, it was easy to kind of come home because this is my wife and I both graduated from University of Eau Claire. I'm rewarded by some of my old professors are still my clients. So we go back quite a few years and kind of approached a pre-vet advisor and asked him how many people he's actually sent on to vet school. And he looked me in the eye, he said, you would be the first. So I knew I had my work cut out for me. So, but leaving the clinic and I had an offer with Dr. Flynn at the Westgate Animal Hospital. I did some job shadowing and pretty much had a job offered before I even left the school. So I knew that coming home was important because our parents are here and my children have been raised here. So Eau Claire is a town, about 71,000. We're about 80 miles due east of Minneapolis. And uh, we're rewarded by a great, strong human medicine community. We have the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, or UW-Eau Claire. And it's just nice having that diversity here. So it was an easy place to come back to. There are obviously other vet clinics in town, at least four or five. And I think for most part, everybody gets along. I feel that they're my contemporaries, not my competition. So we're all here to help our clients. With five or six practices, again, depending on size, right, and the amount of people within the city, you know, talking about 70,000, there's enough to go around, right? That's an ample amount of pet owning folks that are going to be able to pick and choose kind of who they best fit with. So you buy the practice, you know, you've been out six years, you've worked there for a long time. Over the years, right, you're there, you get established, you kind of get your feet under you because being an owner and doing something new as a business, there's a lot of change and you got to really kind of grasp those changes and adjustments. But five, 10 years in, did you start thinking in the future, okay, you knew you wanted to just be you, but what does this look like in the future? Was it something where you had the intention of that young veterinarian from the area coming in and buying you out and transitioning it that way? I think Liz shared you might've been approached by some external partners on buying the clinic that wasn't the right fit. But one of the things that I've talked about in this podcast is even if I'm doing a startup today and I'm a young 30 something veterinarian, it's like business strategy is really just exit planning. Like that idea of exit planning is just good business strategy of being ready for that. And I'm just curious the way that you've kind of approached it, or has it been more of, I like what I'm doing. I'm going to keep doing it. I love serving the community and you know, the my exit and the way that the hospital will change hands, that'll happen when it's meant to happen. People ask me who I want to sell to. And I said, I'd like to find a younger me. Now, where is that person? I mean, that's an easy statement to make, but where is that person? And I'd like to think that when I bought the clinic, it was an opportunity, a business opportunity. The income was, you know, he pretty, Dr. Klein just worked a few hours in the morning and it was just kind of sparking along there a little bit. And but I came in and make it grow. So I've had the privilege of taking care of like four generations already. You set up roots, you do a good job, you know, kind of 
build it. I wouldn't say always build it and they will come, but that was kind of the philosophy. Do a good job, call people, follow up, keep the communication open. It, it, it's a definitely a, a better quality of life. But on the other hand, you still have to follow through. And so that animal went to the emergency clinic. You know, they don't follow up on it. Typically, I have to follow up on it. You know, in the course of the next two weeks, they might have put the stitches in, but I'm taking the sutures out. So. Well, and I think ultimately the idea is, you know, across the spectrum, what I've noticed working with vet med is not being clinically trained is at the end of the day, there's a reason that you all went to school and spent all this extra time. And it's because you do genuinely care. And I think that there are bigger changes to the industry and trying to have better boundaries to have that kind of balance between both work and life. I don't like the term work-life balance because if you're doing something meaningful that you enjoy, and I think that's what you've kind of articulated is it was this thing that you love doing and it's a blessing that you got paid for it and you got to do it for a long time, which has been great. I'm sure there's regrets, right? Everyone has regrets, but at the end of the day, when you reflect back 39 years, you can say, shoot, we did some pretty cool stuff here and we really helped the community. I think ultimately that's what veterinarians want. They want the opportunity to make an impact, do good work. And I don't think that veterinarians should feel guilty if they do make a good income, right? There's lots of people that make good incomes and they don't feel guilty about the work that they do. And so being able to run a business profitably and serve a community, I think there's nothing better because yeah, small business is what makes these towns around the country great, right? And I view the practice ownership opportunity for younger veterinarians as strong today as any other time even though it seems like that's not the case where they're not as interested. And I kind of wanted to, Liz, bring you in and kind of from your vantage point, because similar to me, you're not clinically trained, right? You're coming in, you're seeing this situation. You've talked to your dad, you've seen the practice, you've been around it for a long time. And what was kind of the genesis of saying, okay, we need to create this website. We're going to have a little bit of a marketing or PR, but just kind of like your background and how this all came together. Because I think it is extremely unique and I love it. And that's why we're here, right? Is the work that you did to pull this all together? Yes. His exit strategy was hoping that somebody would come along and purchase it and the world's changed. That doesn't really happen. You know, he bought the clinic basically on a handshake. That doesn't exactly happen anymore. So my career is producing TV commercials. So talking to him and knowing what incredible product he has of the Ark Animal Hospital, knowing that there's a lot to showcase there, I decided to call in a few favorites from my colleagues And we were able to put together a team to make this incredible video because I really wanted to highlight not only my dad, the staff, and Eau Claire. His legacy, the city, and then the staff are what make the ARC so incredible. And I'm so proud of everything he has done. And I had a wonderful childhood growing up in Eau Claire on the weekends, going down to the clinic, getting to know the clients, getting to have pets at our house. He would bring home pets for us to watch overnight, that lifestyle. And I know that the right vets or one vet or two vets are out there that could have the same lifestyle and it will appeal to them because it is absolutely rewarding and incredible. And I was so privileged to grow up with a father and watch him. And I can't tell you the first day of school, every time I would raise my hand, Oh, Elizabeth Stepanek. Oh, is your dad, Jeff? Oh, he saved this dog or my dog, you know, all the different stories. And he's just has an incredible reputation. Can't go anywhere in the city without him knowing somebody. And so it's finding that person or two people to come on board and continue that legacy because it is an absolutely wonderful life. And for someone new to come in, might want to do their own emergencies until like 10 o'clock and then decide to, you know, put an emergency group on. So 
there are options, but when you're building a practice, there is no set 30 or 40 hour week if you're going to be your own boss. So no one I know that's their own boss works just 30 hours a week. Yeah. And I think one of the things with that is being an owner or having business ownership, even let's just take out veterinary medicine for a second. There's a ton of benefits to that, but there's a lot of responsibility, right? Like you've been responsible for a lot of people's car payments and mortgages Mm -hmm. and all these other things for the years. And there is stress associated with that right? And at the end of the day, like leaders eat last, right? So the, if the money is tighter in the business for a little while, you know what, that's a responsibility that you have, and you're going to make sure that payroll gets made and these different things. And I've had so many conversations with owners that have ridiculously successful practices by any metric that someone wants to measure by that will still talk about the early days and the struggles. That's part of it. And I think trying to say like, oh, it's going to be rainbows and butterflies, and it's always the best thing ever is doing someone a disservice. But the studies, the information, even the AVMA has done it, like practice ownership versus being an associate. There is a greater satisfaction. There's all these wonderful things that practice ownership provides. It's not all perfect. And then ultimately, I do think, and I've had conversations with people, hey, as an associate, as an owner, what's been the difference from a monetary perspective? And I get that veterinarians have not come into vet med to make the most amount of money they can. But it is a material difference when you are able to control your income versus going to an individual or individuals and asking for a raise or trying to renegotiate something. And I think there is a beauty of that. I wanted to kind of transition and talk a little bit about just the way, Liz, that you've seen how a practice is sold today. I know you had some frustrations, right? Or some challenges <laughs> in just the way that you know your dad has helped in the past. So I would love to hear that because I think it is important. Yes. So when I started this journey, when I was realized that, okay, we have something we could put together here where I started just reaching out to every contact I could think of, including yourself and all the different networks I could to find out where are these potential buyers and what are they looking for? And it was unbelievable that I found out how there's such a disconnect from anyone reaching out to these potential buyers. Like there's no education really that I've been told in the vet schools. And then beyond that, they're not educated about the absolute positive aspects of ownership. Well, that was a major frustration. And then there's also a lack of education of like funding because they're like, well, I'm in student debt. Well, I've talked to several different funding operations. And they all said, no, debt doesn't scare us. That actually shows that you're showing, proving that you can pay off debt. So that doesn't keep us from giving anyone a, a loan. And then also reaching out in Eau Claire to local places like the Economic Development Center, the Small Business Development Center, and they have incredible programs to help people, small businesses, continue these legacies, um, unbelievable rates that they're able to connect with these potential buyers. And so that it makes it a great partnership. So I had to do a lot of homework to learn all of that. And it was really eye-opening to see that there was a major disconnect. And no longer are the days where people are looking at classified ads. I started looking at classified ads and I was like, these are just Boring as can be. They all say the same thing. So where are these potential buyers? They're on social media. They're late 20s, early 30s. They're on their phones. They're not looking at classified ads. So that's when the idea of this video, okay, we could put something tangible out there. They're watching videos. They're looking on websites, that kind of stuff. And that's kind of, I was like, I have to move the, or I don't have to, I should say, we decided that we have to move the needle somehow to figure out a better way to showcase this incredible practice. Yeah, I love that. Dr. Jeff, anything you want to add there? Well, at one time, I think a lot of veterinarians just assumed their kids were going to go into veterinary medicine. At one time, there was, I think, a different generation that was true. 
It's no longer. There's other options. You mentioned it earlier that A, you've enjoyed it, but also you were kind of the recipient of it early on in your career with, with the idea of great mentorship. And I think mentorship is a phrase within veterinary medicine that gets thrown out a lot. And I think there's big differences. And I think for a lot of these corporate entities, they throw out like, hey, you're going to get great mentorship when you come out of school and you come work for us. And then it seems like what I continue to hear is like they fall flat on their face. So I wanted to ask you from both what you received as a mentee and what you've done as a mentor for you know, the different people that have come through with externships or letters of recommendation and seeing them go do their things. What does that look like to you? How would you describe that? Or, and what was the impact for you personally? I encourage job shadowers. I usually tell them, okay, you got to be at least a sophomore in high school. You know, if they have a six-year-old kid, that's not going to work out. But I think there was fewer pre-vets, you know, what I'm seeing is pre-vets students. I think they're still out there. I'm not seeing as many job shadowers as I think I did the first 20 years in practice than I have the last 20 years. You know, I think it's a wonderful profession. People obviously still applying to vet schools and they're turning out new graduates that are kind of really on top of their game and everything. But all of a sudden jumping into private practice takes a lot of confidence. So you don't always have that person over over your shoulder kind of hinting what you need to do and everything. So it's thinking on your feet, that's for sure. But most of the time it's following up and staying in contact with your clients. You know, seeing it. now that dog that I saw two days ago that was vomiting, is it still vomiting? I asked a client to call, but if I don't hear from them, I need to call them and find out. So you only know if you communicate with someone. So I think the idea of confidence within vet med is one that's been a reoccurring theme for quite a while. I've had different guests talking about younger veterinarians coming out where they just want to refer everything out because they don't feel comfortable. Maybe they've not done enough. Whereas I'll say back in the day, right? Uh, yeah. You're kind of just thrown into the fire and say, you're going to learn. And some of that is like just through experience and you're going to make mistakes, which again, it's hard at times when it doesn't go your way. And it is a hard phone call or a hard conversation on the other side. And I'm sure you've had your fair share of those, but being able to instill confidence in younger veterinarians to say your skill set's there, you can do it, I think is huge. And I look at that yeah. as, you know, a big thing for mentorship and then just communication, because I hear a lot. I got into vet med because I don't want to deal with people. If I wanted to deal with people, I'd go into human medicine or something, right? right. It's like, no, 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 no. The pet still is attached to this human and you got to have good communication. And I know you've hit on that a number of different times and it does make for a loyal client base because someone like me or, you know, even Liz, right? We don't speak the same language. We need it to be explained to us. We might have questions where it doesn't make sense the first time. So being able to be able to follow up is super important. Communication is everything. It really is. So when the communication breaks down, that's where things go. You know, we know in the profession, there's going to be highs and lows. You just can't let the lows wear you down. So you got to have a plan for the pain because it's going to happen. So, and that's what I want to get across to new graduates. So you are going to stumble, but the whole idea is get back up and get back at it. So, because that's how you learn. That's how you're going to get better. If you had to kind of go into the lab, let's say, and create the character traits for the, the perfect individual that's acquiring the clinic. What does that person look like to you, Dr. Jeff? They have to genuinely like people. Obviously, liking the animals is the easy part. So, But they have to like people, understand that there are differences in people. So some people might, you know, it's when you draw up a treatment plan and someone says, well, I can't afford $400. What can you do for $200? And you can't get upset at all. you got to come up with a different game plan. So they have to be, you know, think on their feet. I think communication is the biggest trait. So picking up that phone and calling someone and finding out how they're doing. 
And sometimes we get involved with families. You know, we know Margaret's husband is sick and, you know, and here she has a sick pet. Yes, and her husband's in critical care. So understanding the differences and understanding the emotions that the people are going through is paramount to our profession. If you can improve the health of an animal, you do it, right? Of course, that's what makes veterinarians special. You're mission driven. My friends at LifeLearn are the exact same way. For over 25 years, they've been partnering with you and your peers, providing affordable, customizable, online software solutions. These solutions save time, increase efficiency, and assist in managing all aspects of operations. Why? They wanna help you improve your partnership with pet owners to improve pet health. LifeLearn has award-winning digital media solutions and are leading the pack as they've prioritized having extensive veterinary knowledge throughout their teams. That difference is seen, it's heard, and it's read by thousands of people across the country. Relax, grow, and thrive with LifeLearn. Click the link in the show notes for an exclusive offer to see how LifeLearn can allow you to get back to what you do best. Liz, I want to ask you a question because through your experience of working with your dad and understanding kind of the way that practice was listed prior and all these different conversations, you made a comment to me that I thought was really good. And you said, hey, there's a lot of folks like my dad around. Maybe I'm misremembering a little bit, but it was kind of like, hey, there's these older veterinarians that they don't want to close up shop. They want the legacy to live on, but they just feel like there's no one there to buy them. Can you talk about kind of those conversations and experiences? Because I do think it's something that is not well understood. And I do think that's maybe where some of the disconnect happens, but I would love to hear you kind of share as much or as little as you want on those conversations and what you've learned. Yeah, absolutely. When I started to reach out, I thought, well, let me reach out to these vet clinics that are very similar to my dad's solo practice. They're for sale. So I reached out to them and had great conversations with them, but some of them have been for sale for three or four years, some, you know, a year. I'm asking, okay, what are you doing to get the word out? Well, I posted on the classified here, classified there. I've talked to a real estate agent to see and really it goes nowhere. And so they're like, well, I guess I'm just going to keep working until I've got to close up shop. And I have to believe that there's these young vets out there that do want to buy these practices, but the veterinarians aren't sure how to market. And so it's either they have to sign with a broker or they go with a corporate offer. But a lot of the corporate offers aren't ideal for every clinic. It was eye-opening to me to see how many of these clinics are out there. But then also these vets want to be vets. They don't want to have to sit, think about how to market and how do they go through all that to social media and everything like that. It is just not in their wheelhouse. So I thought, man, there's a whole world out there that needs to be connected of these potential buyers and these vet clinics because they are incredible vet clinics with incredible legacies that are ready for somebody else to transition. And I know that if these young veterinarians could spend a day, a week, a month with these vets and see how awesome ownership is and they can control exactly how they want to have their clinic run and do it their way and have this awesome staff supporting them, that it would be awesome for these people to make that connection and transition. One of the things that I think might be a disconnect, and I have no idea you know, if that's the case here or other places, A, I think it is getting the word out, people actually knowing it's there. I know you kind of mentioned there was a broker that may or may not have worked with you all and you just never really got much from that. And like, there's kind of a, a lame duck from that standpoint of, of coming back. But do you think there's the disconnect of, I've run this business for a long time, I think it's worth X and I'm a young veterinarian that has debt and would take out a loan and I think it's worth Y. 
of trying to get to like, what is fair value for this versus closing the doors? Because I think it is like emotionally, that would be hard to say like, well, I guess we just don't have any solution for this and we're just going to close the doors versus finding a way to perpetuate that into the future and having that transition plan. Do you think valuation of these single doctor practices? Because there's this whole idea of they call no low practices where it's, there's no or very little profit. There's still clients. There's still a team. There's still an opportunity. But sometimes I think the mind, if I'm the owner for a long time, I'm overvaluing it versus what the market is is saying. And maybe that's why they're for sale for so long. What do you think of that? That's a totally fair question. I think to answer your first question, we did, or my dad's clinic with, was with the broker for a year and it was quite a disappointing experience, but they did the valuation, right? So they established the valuation and that's what they do for a business. And they also, my parents also had a third party valuation. So I think it is a fair valuation, but I'm not sure about the other vet clinics. I can't speak because I don't know their numbers, but I honestly don't believe that the conversations get as far as do the valuations make, you know, do they match? Because I honestly believe that a lot of these vets would be like, I'll cut my price. You name your price. You seem like the right owner. If that is what's keeping somebody, then they haven't had the right conversation because I think that they can approach these clinics, obviously not too crazy though, but I do believe after talking to a lot of these vets that they would be willing to, Hey, for the right owner, we'll help you with your student loan, or let me put you in contact with these different companies that can help or businesses, I should say nonprofits or whatever it is to help with these loans. Or you tell me what you can do and we'll work on it. Maybe you can't buy the real estate. Maybe this time you rent the real estate for a while. Um, however it is, but I do think that I just have to believe that a lot of those vets out there after talking to them would make it work. Yeah. I think there's opportunities out there. So it's just a matter of sitting down and making it work. So if that's what their real goal is in mind. So if they really don't have the energy or the outlook, the dream to make come true, you'll find out in a hurry. Listening to that. And again, I know that I'm wired differently than the probably the average veterinarian. It's like really to me motivating, like, okay, where are all these practices and maybe trying to to scrape through it. So if I'm listening and I'm a younger veterinarian, I'm an associate somewhere where I know that I'm not long for this role. It's like, okay, where do I want to be? What do I value as a human or my family? And then is there some one doctor practices where I can start having those conversations? And I think one of the things that would make me nervous if I'm a younger veterinarian is, okay, I'm going to go buy this clinic and I'm going to want to change a ton of stuff. And that seems intimidating versus I can just go and basically start my own thing. And I have conflicting thoughts on that personally, and I've seen it work both ways really well. Any thoughts, Dr. Jeff, on that of just, you know, you bought a clinic and I'm sure you made changes, right? I think it takes time to build a clientele and it takes even longer time to build a good clientele. Go. I mean, you talk about eight clients that you do everything for, and you have eight clients that only come in for a rabies vaccination every three years. So everybody wants those A and B clients. So, and it takes time to build. When you first go out, you're just starting to build a new practice. You're going to get people that obviously don't have very good credit. They've been at clinic one, two, and three already, and they're looking to see, you know, I'm going to charge and kind of walk out the door here and so you got to fire a few clients every year to keep a healthy practice. So otherwise, you're going to spend too much time on clients that drain you. It's not fair for you and the staff. So, But what are the positives of walking into it? Well, the positives of building that 
revenue out of the box, Clientele, right? yeah. So, I mean, at one time I took care of five different bank presidents. I, you know, I felt that was very rewarded. But also walking into an established clinic, you have a staff and that's talking more and more to people, finding that staff, finding the right vet techs. That is not always easy to do. You've got a built-in clientele. And if you do want that transition and have a mentor who can help you show you the roads, and of course you're going to make changes and of course they're going to want to do their own thing. But I feel it's less intimidating to get in there, kind of get your foot in the door and have somebody show you this is what we've done and then open to new ideas. Yeah, I think it's better hitting the ground running. I really do. So yep. than trying to build from scratch. So yeah, and it's one of those things too, where I will use the analogy of you find the right location for a house and it doesn't have all the things that you want, right? But it's the great location. It's a school district, all that stuff, right? And you want to make some changes to the kitchen or the bathroom. Yeah. It's like buying a practice. It's not perfect. And they're going to make tweaks over time versus I have to go build a new house. And it's going to take a lot longer. Right. And there's not saying it's right or wrong. Some exactly. people really want to build the house and have everything day one. But there is something to be said. And I actually want to come back, Dr. Jeff, to the good clients piece and how you've had those difficult conversations over time when it is someone you kind of need to fire. Because we're in the Midwest. We have this kind of Midwest know and we're nice people, right? I always yeah. joke with people from the Northeast. They're just kind of rude. My sister lives yep. there so I can, I can make fun of them, right? <laughs> but I've always connected best with folks from the Midwest, right? And then folks from the South. It's just the relationship is different. And so good clients, how do you describe them? And then the ones that are bad, do you have any good suggestions or verbiage or strategies of how you've kind of let them know maybe we're not the best fit and you can go to another clinic? Well, if you're not firing a few clients, you're putting your staff under stress. And a lot of times when uh, clinics get together, they have the staff meeting and they decide as a group, where are the fire? They, they bring that up and uh, decide to fire them. But years ago, there one of the drug companies is a, did a survey for me. They sent out to my clients and everything. And I'd say 95% of my clients were referred by either family or friends. 95%. That's what you build on. I don't want a clinic that has a busy location and it's picked because of its location. If clients are picking you because of location, they're picking you for the wrong reasons. So, And what makes that. a good client? What makes a good client? A client that's coachable, that's compliant with your suggestions. So, you know, say, okay, what do you feed? Or what's your recommendation on a heartworm pill? Clients that come in understand that not everything is an emergency. Some things we can, they talk about telemedicine now a day. So some people take a picture and of a lesion and send it to me. And sometimes you can't even tell which part of the dog it is. It's a little confusing, but they're looking for coaching. So I said, well, this really doesn't sound like an emergency, but let's try this, or I'm going to put up some medication. Let me know. I want to call in two days. So we keep that community that I think it's good clients or, or clients you communicate with and they appreciate your advice. So I can't tell you how rewarding it is for clients to bring in cookies, donuts, they bring us Christmas presents. I've gotten a whole hams. I mean, it really is rewarding from that standpoint, gift cards. I mean, just people do it because they want to say thank you. So, yeah. and we appreciate that. So it's, I know friends of mine that are doctors and dentists, they're not rewarded like we are. That's for sure. It's rewarding that way. So I've had a, several clients want to give me a puppy from their litter. You know, I'm just, well, it, I mean, I think that is, it's a good compliment. They felt I was going to be a good 
pet owner and, and it was not like they were a big scale. They didn't turn out a lot of puppies and that. They just thought I'd make a great owner. So that's been kind of rewarding. So a lot of people want me, obviously wanted me to take care of their, they're afraid that a, a single older person, you know, said, okay, what's going to happen to Fluffy when I pass away? So I assume I was in the wills. They sent me a piece of paper saying, this is what I'd like you to follow through, Jeff. So I have a file in my cabinet there just to follow through and everything. Or they wanted us to rehome them with a good owner or they had two dogs and make sure they went to the same home. So we're going to go out of ways that make that happen if necessary. Only one has proven true. So, but so it turned out well because my, actually my mother ended up with the dog. <laughs> just going back to like clients in the community. And again, I think that's part of anyone wanting to have the conversation of like, where do I want to go and live and spend time? So they, maybe they're not from Eau Claire, but it's one of those things where you can say the type of people that fit for what I'm looking to serve or the community I want to be in. And I think that, you know, what you talked about, like the gifts or the relationship and building that it does take time. And that's an authentic thing that you can't fake, right? You can fake certain things, but that's certainly not one of them mm-hmm. as far as being able to build that resilience and kind of just relationship where someone is going to come in and trust. And that to me is one of the really cool and satisfying things about running a business is being able to kind of put your stamp on it. And then also, hopefully, you know, Lord willing in the future, there's a, as a new owner of the clinic in the future that can do that. And then some, right. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to kind of open it up to both of you. I know I probably have not asked some questions or some things that you feel like are really, really important that you would want to share. So for anyone listening, whether it's advice on ownership, Dr. Jeff, or what has been kind of your favorite memory of the hospital? Liz, anything you want to highlight from the work that you've done to highlight the clinic? Or I'll obviously have a lot of this stuff in the show notes. So if someone does want to move to Wisconsin and is looking to buy a clinic, that would be amazing. And I would love if this podcast was part of that. But anything that you all want to share, either one can go first. I'll start with one you just touched on the community. Eau Claire is, you can't beat it. I mean, the safety, the schools, the education, having the university here, but just there's a downtown that's just that had a revival and it's got an incredible culture. It was a wonderful place to grow up. And also the staff, the staff at the ARC, you can't beat them. They are just, they're phenomenal. They've worked for my dad for most of them have worked for many, many, many years. And they know every client that walks in, they know the dog, they see them out in the community. They ask, questions with them. It's just the relationship they establish with these pet owners because they understand that these pets are their family because our pets are our family. And so they understand that relationship and how important it is. And the staff and my, my dad become part of their life and part of their family. And so for them to be out in the community and connect with these people, but when they walk through the door, they know that every one of them is treated like they're the best and they are the best. Oh, yeah. And we always tell people they're pets. They're not kids, but they are family members and they're very important family members and treat them as such. So, but I think you're going to be as safety, you know, some people, you know, I, I want the dog strapped in. I want the dog in a carrier or something like that. So it's safe in case there was a car accident, everybody's safe. So it's sometimes in very tough decisions when it comes down to financial decisions because your head and your heart fight. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
you know that you need to do what you can, but there might be a financial cap and that's a tough time. And sometimes I just have to say, okay, we'll just write off what we have to and to make this better without being too over the top and financial commitment here, do something here to make life better for this animal. So everybody's afraid the animal is going to be in pain and everything. And, and we have medicines, we got everything that, you know, kind of help with that. So making that sometimes it's going to be just a smooth transition to making the final decision on that. Unfortunately, there's a couple of things I want to do when I left vet school. And one was breed a dog that lived as long as the owner did. So the other one was a vaccine for hit by car. I had some lofty goals there. I mean, I can't tell you how many animals I see that are over the age of 15. I think we all do. So I think medicine is better. I like to think the breeding is better. I think people are better at taking care of their pets. So trying to do do what they can to live as long as we can with a quality of life. And that's the whole thing is that QOL is that quality of life is, comes under play every day. So I don't make decisions. I give people as much information as possible so they can make the decisions how they want to follow through. Do you have favorite memories? Got so many memories. I could write a book here. We don't have time for that. So, Well, and I was going to say, I think there definitely could be a book written by practitioners that have done it as long as you have. I love that. I do ask a ton of questions on this and I always like to turn it back around for any guest. And I don't think I prompted either of you, but do you have any questions for me that you want to ask or things that would be closing thoughts if there's no questions? So it's a wonderful profession. It really is. And I like to think people are going to enjoy the profession enough to stay with it for a longer time. It's not work if you enjoy it. People ask, well, when are you going to retire? I said, there'll come a time. We'll find the right person to take over. But in the meantime, I work with wonderful people. I take care of wonderful people. I take care of wonderful pets. And I said, you know, when you come in the clinic in the morning and have a sip of coffee and you're still smiling and ready for the day, it might not always be easy. There could be a twist and turn with the next phone call. We're kind of urgent care. We practice preventive medicine. But like I say, you never know when an emergency comes in too. So yes. it's nice having the options of having an emergency clinic where you're just impossible to be able to see them. And usually they're set up with the equipment to take care of those emergencies. So it's nice having that around. It's nice having the medical community in the Twin Cities, the University of Minnesota. Some dogs I've sent down to the University of Wisconsin, but Minnesota's you know, only an hour and a half away, so it's easier to refer things there. There's a couple of specialty clinics over there, one in Oakdale and Blue Pearl, so it's nice to have that expertise. You find out in a hurry, you can't do everything. There is no one person that's going to be able to cover all of veterinary medicine, so you'd have to have a team of 20 to do that. So it's nice having that expertise. We have a wonderful medical community in Eau Claire, but a lot of people still go to Rochester and that's known worldwide. So it's nice having that expertise nearby. For sure. Liz, any closing thoughts or questions well, or I've things that- I could ask questions all day for you, but I guess <laughs> I'll ask you my question to a lot of people when I first started this, and I'll ask you, cause you've talked to so many, where do you think the potential buyers are and what are they seeking? Ooh, that is one of those like universal questions that it's like unanswerable. Like, you know, when, when people ask those like big, heavy questions, where it's like, ooh, how much time do we have? Right. I think what buyers want is the ability to have freedom and flexibility and be able to do things in a way that they think should be done right. I think a lot of associates that work for larger corporations feel burned out when they start feeling like they can't truly be themselves and practice medicine in a way that feels authentic to them. 
And so as an owner, like being able to do that, which, you know, Dr. Jeff, I feel like you've kind of lived that and have built a business around that, which is amazing. And that's how a lot of small business owners start, right? I can do it better. That's why they leave. That's why they don't work for that larger corporation or, or whatever. Ultimately, I think a lot of younger veterinarians, and this is something Liz that you and I talked about, don't understand the opportunity set of ownership and or have been scared away. And so I recently, and I don't know if you saw this on LinkedIn, I asked, I want to help more people get into practice ownership. Blank is holding them back from practice ownership. And I don't think it's viral, but I had a lot of feedback, more so than a lot of my normal posts. So I was like, huh, this is obviously an area a lot of people are thinking about. But the things that people highlighted, it's a vast array of options. I think a lot of it is confidence, which going back to, you know, Dr. Jeff, you talking about confidence in like the mentorship piece of saying you can do this because as an owner, you're still going to be learning stuff. You're never going to know everything, right? So you have to step into the unknown and be like, I'm comfortable not knowing. And for a lot of people, that's super intimidating. And I think that's where with a transition of being able to connect with someone that's there and help, but also that person that was there that, you know, is transitioning, knowing I'll help you, but also it's your baby now. Like you get to run the operation and you're going to make changes that maybe I don't agree with, but I have to be okay because it is you and I'm here to support you and what you're doing as long as it's not something that, you know, morally, ethically, all that aside. But I think most owners want, is the opportunity there? Is there value? Can I build both a personal and professional life to grow, to do what makes me take a sip of coffee, still have a smile on my face that I'm here and not be like, oh, I have X amount of days before the weekend type thing. And that to me is, I don't think young veterinarians don't want to own. I think that's false. I think a lot of them just feel intimidated and feel like they haven't been told and shown how to do it. And yeah. uh, hopefully this podcast encourages them and other sources. And there's lots of people working on, I think, just giving them confidence. I think confidence is truly the biggest thing. I tell my kids, if you pay attention, you'll learn something every day, but you have to pay attention. It's going to come across, but you'll learn something. So that and all my children at one time said, they asked what quality I passed on. Can you remember what that was, Elizabeth? Your work ethic. Yeah. That. Yeah. And you remember that song by uh, Frank Sinatra, I Did It My Way? Yep. Maybe we should use that on your intro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's any copyright issues yeah, with that. Exactly. Yeah, I might get a, I might I, get a I nasty gram like that. Hey. <laughs> what, back to your LinkedIn. Was confidence the number one theme? What were the other high? Uh, yeah. So I think I'm going to probably do an episode on just the post because I really didn't expect it to do mm -hmm. what it did. But some of the thoughts of, and I'm bringing it up right now, one said marketing, one said uh, limiting beliefs, one said misinformation or fear, lack of business knowledge and cost. Wow. Uh, yeah. Lack of business management expertise, fear, fear of the unknown, lack of business acumen, fear of failure, fear of being alone, having to manage generational differences. And then someone said, what do you mean by that? And it went into a whole tangent. Radical change <laughs> in generational mindset, cost, student loan debt. Someone put. But that you went through a lot before you hit cost and student loan debt. I guess that would be my final thought of after hearing those things of people's feedback is encourage anyone that's even considering it to have that conversation with that veterinarian. Okay. Would you want to sell? If you did want to sell, what would that look like? What would be the transition? How would you mentor me? Cost aside, it's finding that fit and seeing, okay, could this be a good fit for me? Whether it's obviously we hope it's the Ark Animal Hospital that they want to have the conversation with, but based in their community or where they want to live, 
opening that door to these vet clinics because asking the vets, what's been positive about ownership and what do you see your exit plan and how can you help me get this confidence and transition? And what happens if I want to make changes? Are you open to that? I think it's just having those conversations. You don't have to say, hey, I want to buy your clinic. It's just have a simple conversation to start. Amen. I think more honest, open dialogue. And then there might be zero interest that after you have a conversation, that's the right clinic. And what you can do is be very respectful and kind and say, you know what, not the right opportunity, but really learn something from this back to Dr. Jeff. Hey, if you pay attention, you'll learn something every day. You're mm-hmm. going to learn something in those conversations. And 100%. ultimately, if the path to ownership is something you want as a veterinarian, I think that it is a buyer build conversation you need to understand. But there are, I think, really good acquisition opportunities. You just have to go out and find them a little bit as well. So maybe there's a little bit of effort, but honestly as well, like I'm sure, A, this is a great opportunity that you can chat if you're looking at Wisconsin, but if you're not a snow person and you need more warm weather, I'm sure there's opportunities in Arizona, right? Like you just got to look for these type of folks and be willing to ask questions and be open. And what you talked about of if the opportunity is right, you can probably have an honest, deeper conversation on the financial impact, but there are lots of people that will line up to lend to buy a practice. And if maybe it can't be done that way, and maybe there needs to be a creative arrangement, a private sale has all the creativity that you want to have. You can go to an attorney, you can structure all kinds of things. It can be an installment sale, it can be this or that. You can do all kinds of different things. Now that's a conversation between you and whoever's buying and if it makes sense. But if the dollars and cents add up and the personality is right, I think there's more flexibility there than folks would probably think. So you hit it right on the head there. That's exactly. And when it comes to like we talked about marketing, I have never advertised ever. I'll put a little ad into a, like a dance competition program, you know, good luck dancers or good luck hockey players. But because 80, like I say, 90, 95% of my clients come referred. Why would Mm -hmm. I want to advertise? Boy, there's a lot of people that want you to advertise, that's for sure. So I know another hospital that their advertising was they gave out hoodies to their kids to give out to their friends at school that were really nice. And that's mm-hmm. what they did. And they've always just given out X amount of hoodies per year. And it's worked really well, right? Because yeah. they're from the community and they know the people there. And it's just, that's their style. Supporting yeah. the community, sponsoring. Yeah, yeah you're, you're marketing is your brand and, and how you take care of people. Exactly. You're doing it. You're just doing it in a different way. Right, right. Yep. So the website is buymydadsvetclinic.com. Mm-hmm. We'll have the video. We'll have all the ways to reach out. I really appreciate your time. This was a ton of fun. Again, it was a first podcast for you all. Good job. I feel like you did great. I threw a lot of different questions at you and I appreciate the time and I'm looking forward to keeping tabs on how things go and if there are conversations that are sparked from this. If not, hopefully there is that person that will find a way to be connected. And if you're listening and you know someone from Wisconsin that wants to own at some point, Share the episode. Or Minnesota or Illinois or Michigan. (laughs) If you want to be in God's country here in the Midwest, you know, come (laughs) Midwest nice. Great location with a spot to raise a family. Absolutely. Years ago I had someone from the newspaper come in and wanted to do an interview with me and that because I was a solo practitioner. And he sat down and I I think we talked for an hour and he said, I gave him over a, about 48 hours of material to cover. So he said, you were the easiest interview I've ever had. So because <laughs> I brought my enthusiasm. I think that's what he was looking for, but not always conveyed on newspaper print, obviously. So sure. We are. I, I love it. 
incredibly grateful for you taking this yeah. time. Thank we, you. Thank your listeners. Absolutely. It just absolutely yeah. be in contact. We would love to have any conversation. And if you're in an area that isn't, you may be not Wisconsin, I promise you, I've probably talked to a vet clinic in an area. So I'm happy to point you in a different direction, but yes, yeah. have those conversations yeah. and know that there's a lot of positive aspects to ownership, but we really, really do appreciate you, Isaiah, having us on. And so, yeah, this, and if you're ever up in this area, let us know. So <laughs> please, please. Yes, we'll give you your dog, all the dog fill you could ever yeah. want. And we yeah. got some wonderful restaurants here we can yeah. talk. So, yep. Well, again, it's been a pleasure, Greg, getting to know you both and excited for the reception of this one. And hopefully there's some good things to come. So thank you so much and have a great one. Thank you. So, you too, Isaiah. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment tax or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. However, you are intelligent enough to make decisions for yourself. So I do encourage you to dig in, learn for yourself, and not just outsource every decision that you make. You should talk to your professional team if you have one before implementing anything that I talk about, but also make sure they know what they're talking about. Push them, question them. That's healthy. That's okay. Oh yeah, and you should probably own and learn a little bit about that Bitcoin thing. The biggest compliment you can give to me is to share the show with a friend or the podcast if there's another episode that you really like. That helps folks find it. That helps it grow. Um, reviews are critical. The Apple Podcast is the platform that's predominantly used for how people find the show. So if you have three minutes, love the show, please head over, give us five stars if you believe that's what we earned. That would help more people find the show. Also, if you're new, go to YouTube. It's a channel. Uh, putting up all the videos there as well. Sometimes it's going to be more interactive. Other times it's just going to be the conversation. So vainly, I want to get 100 subscribers so I get the vanity URL. That's the goal. We're on our way, but not quite there yet. For all of today's links information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can also subscribe via your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss any episodes in the future. And finally, if you'd like more information, insights, or have the ability to, for your voice to be heard, join the Facebook group. You can search for the Veterinarian Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll to the bottom, about your host, click on the Facebook icon. And thanks again for listening. I appreciate you. All right. So there are a lot of great job postings that I want to get to. And so we're going to start off with Bayside Hospital for Animals. Great work-life balance in beautiful Fort Walton Beach, Florida. No weekends, Monday to Friday, eight to five, no on-call or emergencies. It's an appointment only here. Currently a two and a half doctor practice, new owner in 2021, bringing some fresh life into the hospital. The new owner had been there for six years prior working, so definitely understands the team, the processes in the community. Lots of investment in people and new equipment. ProSal is the pay structure Far too many benefits for me to list. Email BaysideVet251 at Yahoo or call 850-864-1857. Join a thriving, growing small animal practice in Vermont on the Quebec border. Full-time ideal, part-time is considered. The idea is to start with yes with the team, patients and clients in outdoor woman's paradise while uh, being able to practice high-quality medicine. Compensation is write your own structure within production capabilities. Literally, it is the owner wants to find the right person and is happy to negotiate, chat through and find the right fit. If you want autonomy and a boss that enjoys teaching, reach out to Newport Veterinary Hospital. You can email newportveterinaryhospital at gmail.com. North Central Indiana, looking for an oasis in the chaos? Who isn't, right? Come join the amazing team at Fulton County Veterinary Clinic. They strive to foster a fun, fast-paced work environment while providing quality patient care. They utilize the support staff efficiently so that the doctor is available practice medicine and do what you're trained to do in less time and paperwork, which is great. Lots of investment in new equipment and technology to support you full-time or part-time available. 
Small animal and exotics are both seen there. So no ER, no on-call, no weekends, competitive salary with sign-on bonus offered, and far too many benefits to list. Go to Fulton County Veterinary Clinic. So type that in and you'll find the job posting there. Last but not least, join Watertown Animal Hospital. Personable, small animal veterinarian wanted for well-established current five-doctor mixed animal practice in northern New York, which is an outdoors person's paradise. Again, two of those. So if you like the outdoors, you can look at Vermont or New York. They have plenty of support staff with six CSRs, six licensed technicians, four animal caretakers, two technical assistants, hospital associate, or sorry, hospital assistant, a practice manager, and a bookkeeper. Focuses on mentorship and investment on the people and the technology. That's been a strategic initiative by the leadership team. No on-call, 24-hour ER, less than an hour away. Salary based on experience, but no less than 95,000. Can be straight salary, pro-sal considered. Want to discuss that with the right person. Tons of benefits. Again, too much to list. Please reach out to watertownpetcare.com for that option as well. So again, if you find a role or a job or talk to anyone and it helps you in any way, I would love to hear that feedback. So please reach out. Let me know what you're able to do. And I will continue to post these. So if you are an owner, reach out to me, let me know. And we'll go from there. And until I hit a capacity of I can't keep recording these, I want to let people know who are high quality owners around the country looking for great help. So with that, we'll talk soon.